0: You're listening to Field Day with Katie Black.
1: Okay, welcome to Field Day with Katie Black. I have Eric Wallace in the house. What's up, Eric?
0: How's it going? How
1: are you doing?
0: Doing well, doing well.
1: So before we get into it, obviously I've done a little research on you. I understand you have a December birthday.
0: December, baby, yeah.
1: Yeah, me too. So what do you, what do you think about having a birthday close to Christmas? Does that, does that bug you?
0: I thought it was cool. You know, you get two celebrations, one month when I was growing up, so that was good.
1: Ditto. That's, I agree. I'm December baby too. Right. Before we get into everything, where'd you grow up slash where were you born?
0: I'm from Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Grew up there, um, you know, went to private school there, high school there. Mm-hmm. um you know yeah i was in salem salem boy
1: that's what's up did you did you love it yeah i love north carolina
0: it's um wasn't too slow wasn't too fast mm-hmm. um compared to where i am now of course but yeah north Carolina's really good it was a nice place it still is probably a nice place to settle down for your families and i see a lot of people moving there nowadays so yeah
1: I understand that you were a basketball star during your high school years. Is that correct?
0: Yeah, I was pretty good, to say the least. Um, Had my pick of universities to go to. You're, uh, you know, traveling all over the country every other, every weekend, anywhere from top 25 to top 50 in the country coming out. And uh, yeah, it it was a lot of fun. Playing basketball, growing up in in uh, in high school, and took me to college. So
1: To backtrack a little bit, you know, I always ask this of athletes: like, did you know at a young age that you were, you know, gifted in that area, or how did that come about?
0: Um, depend on depending on when young age is. Uh, I think when I was growing up, you know, six to ten or eleven, I was just goofy out there participating, having fun you know, falling on my face. <laughs>
1: um,
0: but I think some of the coaches saw some potential there. But I was just goofy and clumsy. But um until around like 11, 12, 13 is where I really started to get serious and the athletic ability started to catch up. Uh, my body started to, I got a lot taller um, in one summer. And that's when everything started to, you know, click if you will athletically Mm -hmm. and uh, basketball became the the route in which i would uh you know navigate for the next decade and a half so yeah
1: very cool so what i understand right out of the gate you picked ohio state is that correct
0: out of the gate i actually picked virginia Uh, Decommit, decommitted from there how's i 2020 wouldn't have but decommitted from virginia um committed to Coach Leto coming in for his first year. And it was a number of all the assistant coaches. um, They left right after I think he was bringing in his own staff as well. But um, I just opened up my uh, options once again. Virginia was still top. And then I took an official visit to Ohio State. And, you know, that was right after their um, final four run with Greg Oden and, um, you know, Mike Conley and those guys and, uh, decided to go to Ohio state.
1: Very cool. Very cool. I love to say very cool, by the way. That's cool. <laughs> um, so very, to cool. Fa- very cool. Maybe that'll be the, the name of the episode. Mm-hmm. Fast forward to graduation. Then you started to get into football. Fast forward
0: to yeah. College graduation. Um, well, I broke my leg one season at Ohio at, at DePaul University because I transferred from Ohio State to DePaul about my freshman year. Mm-hmm. Um, played two and a half seasons at DePaul, broke my seat, broke my leg preseason. Um, going into twenty eleven.
1: And real real 10, quick, one of them. real quick, I'm obsessed. Um, I don't know if that's the right. Um, word but like with injuries and things like that so can you tell how you broke it and what the recovery was like
0: yeah it was um, a stress fracture that had developed into the season before Um, so we did everything we could all season to help you know recover before the next season came Uh, I was in Chicago so I wasn't getting that much sunlight during the winter Um, I think my calcium my calcium had a calcium deficiency. Vitamin D, of course, because no sunlight. Oh, wow. um, and then it kind of just developed. And I think uh, there was a batch of, a batch of shoes that got recalled by Nike uh, the year or that year before that year. Um, and I had worn those pretty regularly. And I think it was kind of a developmental thing of like a stress fracture in my lower left leg. And um, come preseason next coming up. Um, Oliver from Pernella came in as a new coach at, uh, DePaul from, from Clemson. Um, I'd done everything I could to rehab, grow that, you know, stretch, rasher back backhand It kind of plateaued and didn't really complete the job completely. Um, but preseason workouts, I was feeling pretty good going up to block a shot in a regular, you know, five on five drill and just snapped on the way up.
1: Mm is it one of those injuries where you heard it before you felt it?
0: It's one of those. You know what I mean? it, yeah. It felt like someone, it felt like Cristiano Ronaldo just kicked me in the, in the calf as hard as it could. Mm. And that um, was a high flyer. I literally got maybe an inch off the ground. And mm. just Yeah. I mean, I was in shock, so I didn't really hurt, but it was like, Wait, is this, is this a dream? This, I'm about to wake up, hold up. Um, but yeah, everything, everybody heard it. The, you know, film practice, you could hear it on tape. Uh it sounded like a, a clipboard snapping.
1: Mm. Oh my goodness.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh my goodness. So That
0: was a, that was a long day.
1: And did that kind of maneuver, like change maybe the course of, the career a little it, bit or it
0: did um cuz that year uh, about a month or two before it, i had had a talk with uh david booth uh one of the best players to come through the paul played in the nba and he was a a scout for the uh, new orleans pelicans at the time and i think now he's the director of basketball or president of operations maybe at at new orleans but um We had talked and he would say, it should be a last season, you know, because I was an athletic, run the lanes, high flyer, playing above the rim, rebounding type of player. And I planned on maybe uh, testing out the draft that's next season. Um, Well, after this this season coming up. And, you know, that derailed a lot of stuff. And then I think from there, it was, uh, to answer your question, it kind of, the last season I played at Seattle University, where I played with uh, at Cameron with Cameron Dollar, um, where I got my master's degree as well. It was kind of like I just wanted to play again
1: mm-hmm. after
0: not playing for nine months in the rehab, and you know, almost being pushed into retiring by some you know outside peoples. It's like you should be done. You know, you you want to, we can help you get a job. We can help you get set up here and everything. I was like, nah, I still got some sports to play. Um, but yeah, I think it was one of those, like I just wanted to get on the court again, play again, high fly. And I uh, went until at that preseason, or postseason at Seattle U. It's where one of the other players, Aaron Broussard, he was approached by a San Diego Charger. San Diego at the time, San Diego Charger uh, Scout. And uh, they were going to do some run some routes and do a little try, or whatever. He never did it. I never did it. It just never came about. Uh, but my agent at the time, Brian Clifton, he was also, you're willing to play football. Okay, it's interesting. Hey, there's this thing coming up in LA. They want basketball type players to do it. It's not until August. So until then, we'll start looking for overseas gigs or summer league gigs or NBA. And um, come August, that was still in my back pocket. Had a couple of offers to play overseas, but um, wound up going to LA doing the two-day combine with the AFL, Australia Rules Football. And that took me out to Australia. So it kind of, it was a roundabout way after basketball and me just being a curious individual and a utility athlete and not just a basketball player. Um, that got me to football in the end.
1: Yeah, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. So what was Australia like?
0: Um, scary. I'll just play. I'll just play most our idea of Australia is big spiders, mm-hmm. scary, snakes, creepy crawlies. Mm-hmm. uh kangaroos everywhere and it's not i think for the first year i was kind of paranoid about the spiders i had a you know we have that australian arachnophobia mm-hmm. before any of us go over and out of the four years i was there i maybe saw three spiders it was just like season. that i've three. never
1: been i've never been yeah
0: i mean because we see it on that geo or Discovery Channel, like, man, Australia's top 10 of everything. Um, but Australia was some of the most fun I've ever had. It's a beautiful country, um, very laid back, um, very small business run. Uh, you're talking about 35 million people in the country, I think. Um, it's all coastal. Uh, beautiful scenery. Food's really good. A lot of different types of people. I think Melbourne, when I was there, was three years running, voted most uh, livable city in the world. So you had a lot of people coming in from different backgrounds, different countries, different religions and cultures. Um, So I really loved living in Melbourne for the four years I was there. But, you know, I almost didn't leave. I almost didn't leave. Uh, But, you know, there was a window that was half open back home with the element of homesick homesickness and stuff, but yeah, sure. It was fantastic.
1: So what was that for those that don't know, what was the window that was like partially open for you?
0: That was NFL. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that was just a bit of me taking the initiative. Uh, I ended my last contract with North Melbourne um, kangaroos and uh, that was the AFL team I played with. And I was my agent was still trying to shop around, get me on another AFL team or stay, stick around, get a day job and play in the um, lower league. Uh-huh. Just wasn't there mentally. Uh-huh. And uh, so I called some of my friends, whatever coaches or assistant coaches I knew just, you know, from history or just um, bumping elbows. And I asked them straight up, hey, if I come home from Australia and I it out for the NFL, what do you think? I was like, I don't see you, why not. I mean, you should at least get a you should at least get a half a look. So I packed up my things, came home. That was uh beginning of 2016. And uh, had, you know, well, I actually contacted one of my friends. He played football at Winston State, um, Daryl Bogan. And I was like, hey, can you train me? Just some, hey, let's go to the go to the field, to the park, run some routes, teach me the basics. And I also had saved some money to go to Italy um, because I really wanted to see Italy. And I took that money and hired a national trainer. Uh, He played quarterback at UConn and Notre Dame, I think. And uh, he ran me through a lot of drills for about two, two and a half months and got me ready for a rookie minicamp at uh, New Orleans Saints who was brought up about, was brought to me by David Booth again, who was still at the Pelicans. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And the Pelicans and the Saints share a campus, same owner and everything. And uh, he's like, hey, you still playing football? Because he followed me in Australia. And he's still playing football because they're looking for basketball players to maybe transition into um, tight end position because Jimmy Graham one of the best tight ends we've, you know, we're still seeing today. And uh, I know, I knew Jimmy's from North Carolina. I grew up with him. We played some basketball tournaments together on the same team. And uh yeah, I got that opportunity to go to rookie mini camp or one day trial. Then he brought me back to rookie mini camp. But before then, I just, you know, shifted all my gears to NFL. Like I'm going to do it. I'm going to train it. I'm going to get as good as I can, you know, as far as I can without the proper training or coaching. And, um, you know, Ricky Minicamp came around and Sean Payton was really cool. Uh, Dan Campbell was the tight end coach at the time. Where's he now, I think, Miami? Dan Campbell, no, Detroit. Detroit? I think he's in Detroit. He's a head coach somewhere. Um, But yeah, he was the tight end coach then. And um, taught me everything he could. You know, there was a lot I didn't know about the game. It's more than just... Block, run, block, run. There's a lot of intricacies. There's defenses you gotta know. There's reading. The playbook is this big. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's subtle nuances that, you know, these guys have been studied up on for years. But uh had a decent showing, but I kept at it. They didn't they didn't pick me from Ricky Minicamp, uh, but I kept at it. Um and then I took it into my own hands and I knew that I found out that Ricky Prohl's gym was 10 minutes from my house in Greensboro. Oh, well. While I lived in Kernersville. He was, his, his gym was 10 to 15 minutes from my house. So I um, went up there for about a week straight because they were on vacation. Um, week straight, was like, hey, it's Ricky here. I need to talk to him. And what I was going to say was, hey, I'm, I'm Eric. Did this in Australia, basketball. I run a 4.640. Uh, can I try out finally probably like day six he was um, in the office I went back there and it kind of helps me in six seven when you walk in the door and you got those that ask like that and he's like okay all right come back tomorrow I'll work out with you and see you know what you're about and he said uh, if you run a six four six forty I'll call the Panthers for you myself
1: oh my goodness
0: yeah so I ran two forties ran a four six I ran a four six five uh, we ran some routes after that. Um, and he was pleased. He was like, okay, I got a couple of people, couple of people I need to call. Yeah. So we called we called Mike Shula right after we got off the field. Then he called Pete, Pete Hainer, Pistol Pete. He was a tight end coach of Carolina directly after that as well. And um I had secured a tryout the day before uh, the day before training camp, 2016. Oh, my goodness. The day day before.
1: That is just unbelievable.
0: Yep. So I'm out there in Charlotte um, at the Panthers uh, Stadium. It's me. Ricky Pro was throwing it to me. Uh, And he kind of helped me out because, you know, I'm going to take it slow for you. Give you some time to rest and everything, you know, uh, give you some pointers. But uh, tight end coach was there. Mike Shula was there. Ron Rivera came out. Basically, the whole office came out just to see who this guy were train. training, you know, working out day before training camp. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like 30 people out there and just me running so around. So what is
1: that? Stuff. What is, is that like an out of body? Or are you trying not to think that all these people are looking at you like that or what?
0: I mean, I've been, I'm used to, you know, being developmental. It's fine. I mean, for a year, year and a half in Australia, it was, we know you can't play this game. Mm -hmm. or not like, you know, you can't play it, but you don't know the game. So we're going to baby you. You're going to be on the sideline doing developmental stuff. Literally, I was doing what seven-year-olds do at seven-year-old AFL or footy camp in Australia. Uh, Learning how to kick, learning how to handball, learning where to go, what positions are, um, and then just running because I needed to get my anaerobic base up because I was a basketball player shape, not AFL shape which is they're some of the best athletes I've ever seen because um, they can run all day. They're strong. They tackle, they hit, they kick, they're skilled, you know? So, um, but I've, I've been used to, you know, not knowing everything that they want or being a, you know, specimen that you look there, you know, they're looking at, well, okay. All right. He's not good at this, but we can work with something. So, you know, I had a pretty good workout. It was in the locker room for about two or three hours after that. And I came in I was like, oh, okay, cool. Sign here. Be in Spartan Bird in two days.
1: Bada boom, bada bing, huh?
0: Yep. Yeah. So uh, right from there, I was going to Spartan Bird. They gave me the playbook. It was big. And uh, that was that.
1: Just amazing. Just amazing. You know, what is it like to be part of the Panther family?
0: It's really cool. I... I remember growing up always a Panthers fan. I've always been a Panthers fan, because North Carolina, mm-hmm. the first the first starter jacket I got was a Panthers jacket. Um, you know, when I was a little kid. Um, and it was surreal. But growing up, like in high school, even college, I had turned down opportunities to play football. My high school coach, I played middle school pop warner football, which but I was just out there getting the participation. Uh, trophies and everything. But my um, high school coach asked me every day to play, That like, you would be a pretty good receiver. Just coming out, he asked me every day, nearly. And even my first year I got to Ohio State, we were doing preseason workouts one Friday morning, I remember it. One Friday morning, we were on the bikes, on uh, the basketball team in the in the weight room. Me and Dave Lighty next to each other. Dave Lighty played football in high school. And he was probably one of the best in the state, I think. Um, Jim Tressel walks in and says, "Hey, tight end, wide receiver, what's up? Come on!"
1: <laughs> so we
0: laughed. We laughed it off. Like, nah, because we we basketball players. It was one of those like that was another opportunity that I turned down football because um, I was a basketball player. I was there on the basketball team. So you know, um, but it was a weird full circle to go from basketball, turn it down, football, Australian rules football. NFL. Um, but yeah, being a part of the family, that's it's huge to be able to see my jerseys framed up on the wall somewhere, uh, my helmet at home with all the signatures, photos, the experiences, uh, the friends I've got from just playing with, you know, Carolina, and knowing that isn't where I wanted to be, but it's where I ended up. Wow.
1: Well, haven't you, like, heard that quote? That's something to the effect of, like, you make plans and God laughs or something.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, like if you told me I'd be in the NFL 2010, I'd be like, okay. Yeah. But it was interesting. I think a best friend of mine, um, she asked me, I think, years ago. She was like, uh, hey, what if basketball doesn't work? What, what will you do? I was like, I don't know, job for the NFL.
1: Why not? I think that
0: it it might have been like six or seven, eight years before it even happened. So, yeah, you never and know.
1: Since you are obviously basketball was your love, and then obviously you became an NFLer, I'm always curious as which sport is more team camaraderie? Do you know what I mean? Where you like feel the vibe of the team? Hmm. I give
0: you two answers. One, AFL is even more so than that. Okay. Um, the vibe matters that much. The, the spirit is very important in AFL because it's such a long, grinded out, you're exhausted, you're pushing your body to the limits again. So you really have to have that base of we believe in us, I believe in you, you believe in me. We put in the work, let's do it. Um, But between basketball and football, football is the ultimate team sport because one guy doesn't do their job, the play's not gonna work. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Um, That's why I always, you know, I'm always, always uh, not laugh, but like I just don't like when a lot of players go in on, Running backs who were not doing too well, or getting too many yards, or something. Oh, man, he is terrible this year. I mean, it's not just him. You know, it's a, it's five guys on the line: quarterback, running back, tailback, or halfback, tight ends helping the receivers. Is every is everybody doing their job to the best of their ability each play? That's the best, you know, recipe for success. Um, if one guy's not doing their job it lets the whole play down it's crazy to see how important just doing your job is in the NFL is. Uh, versus basketball someone misses misses a screen or something okay alright I'll dribble 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 make, it, make a spectacular play fade away 3.0 we got saved that play alright cool I'm spectacular I'm LeBron James I'm Kyrie Irving. I'm Kobe rest in peace Um, NFL no, we do leave a lot of plays up to athletic ability but that's just because there's 11 on 11 you know we got to block 10 you got to get by one as far as like on the running back um, um, running back's plate so we got to block 10 you got to get by one and that's why we draft you to get by that one and we'll take care of the other 10 so yeah it's you know I think as far as like vibe, I think basketball, but execution,
1: football. Yeah. One, two, three, four. Okay, you guys, we came back from that uh commercial break. Hope you enjoyed the advertisement. So, Eric, how long for those that don't know, how how long were you at the Panthers for?
0: Two seasons. twenty sixteen, twenty 18 officially retired 2019
1: and so and i'm sure this might be a hard question but was there any like standout moments or experiences that you could share
0: stand out i mean there's always your first your first time on the field Shoot, just being there for me mm-hmm. was uh was stand out um first thing in my my game jersey uh fan fast was always fun and uh first actual in game catch was was surreal um, but yeah there's a lot of moments that kind of blend together for highlighting my head um but for me it was just having been there for longer than most people expected um, cuz i remember the first meeting I got there, like I said, I tried out the day before training camp and uh missed OTAs, missed pre-preseason workouts. And uh Pete Hainer we're in the tight end coach, tight end room. We're going over like some adjustments, um, laying, you know, laying down the framework for training camp. And he's going around the room, giving each, you know, pointers, like, hey, remember in OCA's we did this, we're not doing that anymore. Remember, you had his issue with display, yada, yada, yada. Um, seven tight end in the room. He gets to me last. He says, son, you don't have, a, you don't have a chance in hell, but do what you can, you know, learn as quick as possible. I'm going to try to put you in whenever I can with the thirds and, um, you know, we'll go from there, but it's going to be tough. Yep. Wow. In fact, that I think at the end of my two years, I went to his office and, uh, you know, Said my goodbyes after uh, being let go. It was just uh, about the season ended. Uh, then he was like, I've never seen anyone do what you did. So you should be proud of, you know, learning a whole sport on a professional level. And, you know, because I didn't think you would make it this far. I mean, he still, he believed in me. He's just a tough love type guy. I love Coach Pete and um, happy retirement coach. And uh, he was like, man, proud of you for what you did in the two seasons that you know you had to learn pretty quick you had to always be new then there's younger players coming in every year so yeah it was uh you know I think I really appreciated the amount of effort I put in
1: oh my gosh yeah like incredible especially again Mm -hmm. anytime I encounter anyone who was able to do two sports like that is just incredible But also, so I'm obviously a weird person. So I'm obsessed with maybe the regimen of the diet. Is that something as far as a football player, are they strict about what you eat? Are they like, please eat as much as possible? Or what is the mindset of that?
0: Strict? No. Um, I think it it comes down to you being a professional, knowing uh, where you need to be. Weight wise, nutrition wise, um, they have all the resources there for you. As far as like nutritionists, weight training, um, sports therapy, physical therapy, and stuff like that, so um, they're always available to you. But um, it's about you being a professional. Um, we know that LeBron James spends about a million dollars on his body upkeep every year, and um, you know Russell Wilson has started to do that. Do that now, Anthony Davis now. So it's you take your career into your own hands. Um, and we all know uh, one of our key receivers when I was there came back a lot overweight. So it's kind of like no one's really monitoring you all season because you're a professional. Um, this is your career in And um And I saw how quickly you can get backtracked if you don't keep that level of professionalism um even through the off season. So, you know, diet wise, it was too difficult because uh going to Australia, I had to rethink everything because I was basketball shape, in shape, you know, could run all day because, well, basketball wise, could jump out of the gym because explosive. But could I run an entire game of an AFL three quarter, 30 minute, three 30 minute quarter, or four 30 minute quarter, um, you know, 13 miles per game sport in AFL. No, couldn't do it. Um, but that was the training I needed to go through. I needed to learn how to eat differently. So I'd always be sitting down with uh, Coach Jonah, uh, strength and conditioning coach, well, more so conditioning coach about, you know, how to eat, um, how to run. He literally taught me how to run. And um, you know, yeah, there's just a level of professionalism that each athlete has to you know take upon themselves because you know you could be a two-year athlete or a 20- year athlete in any sport. Um, I was just lucky enough to be a have a 10 year 10 year tenure of three different athlete three different professional sports. Um, just me buying into the philosophies and understandings of what needed to be done to compete on the highest level there so
1: you know i guess what you're saying is the help was there but obviously there had to be some individual responsibility of you
0: gotta you gotta take the initiative on yourself
1: yeah
0: right yeah because at the end of the day you can get cut Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. especially when you talk about a league like nfl Mm -hmm. there's thousands of players that played Thousands and years of more, uh, thousands of more and year, years more than I did of football, that never even get a tryout to the NFL, never even get a you know, invite to a pro day, or they just never get that shot. But they've been playing football their entire life, and it just like it goes to show that it's how blessed and how lucky you are to be in that position because you're not getting the job done. then if your nutrition getting in the way or you know. Uh, Body up keeps getting in the way. You're not doing everything you need to do. Um just find someone else.
1: Right.
0: Yeah. Cause essentially, no uh-huh.
1: Yeah. Cause I mean, I know this sounds like a silly statement, but yeah, I mean your body, I mean for everybody, but your body is your vehicle. And essentially what you're saying is my body is my, my occupation. So yeah,
0: exactly. Like if they didn't, if they didn't need your body and only wanted your mind or your smarts, they'd hire you as a coach.
1: Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah.
0: I mean, Luke Kigley was the was an absolute animal. Nicest guy you ever meet, mm-hmm. but he was always at the club. To the point where, you're like, Luke, just go home. Like, there's nothing here. It's it's off day, you know. But he'd just be there. He probably wouldn't even be working out. Just there, just around watching some film with coaches, hanging out. Um, so he had the smarts because he knew every single play, especially on defense. You could tell him calling out defense, calling out offensive plays on defense because he's seen it. But the reason he was on the field because it's that physical prowess. You could do it physically. But yeah.
1: No, 100%. Your
0: body's a temple.
1: Mm-hmm. And everyone listening, even if you're not an athlete, everyone should abide by that. I, you know, myself included. Now, you had talked about an injury that you got in basketball early on. Was there any outstanding injuries from football that you sustained?
0: None. I was blessed to. Like I said, I think after I broke it, graduated from Nepal, there were conversations that wanted to be had about helping me set up post sports, you know? So what are you going to do now? Move on with your life type thing. Uh-huh. Like I said, I was stubborn. I was like, no, I want to still play sports. So I got some sports to play. Um, I was lucky enough to, and I still have a metal rod in my leg, but lucky enough to have Ryan near marathons with it in my leg. Um, you know, playing in Australia rules football for four years. That is a run heavy sport. And then to play in the NFL with it in um I was blessed enough to not go through any major injuries after that. Yeah. Just great. Great. right. Amazing.
1: Turf
0: turf toe on my second day of training camp, but Mm.
1: it's
0: whatever. That was that sucks. It was terrible, but you know, you get through that. You know, I think I had a strained hamstring from New Orleans minicamp. I actually did have that. Um, I did everything I could to get through training camp. Actually, with that, I forgot I was playing with a strained hamstring that whole time. But
1: oh my goodness, yeah. You
0: know, you you put you put some core shorts on, and you know, keep stretching, icing oh, yourself. So yeah
1: okay again this is my like weird fact or maybe what is not a fact so with the metal rod in your leg my understanding is the individuals that have that wherever it is in your body that you can detect when it's going to rain is that true
0: no because it's raining a day in new york
1: <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs>
0: and my knee's not hurting so okay
1: so not not true for you
0: and i'm trying to think about was my knee hurting last night no i don't think so okay maybe some guys maybe knee injury people maybe
1: Mm, i don't know but it makes
0: sense because like i think because like just the air pressure might Mm -hmm. affect you know your bone and stuff like that but i can never tell
1: so you said you retired in 2019 Mm -hmm. so what Mm -hmm. is that obviously having sports be literally sounds like the majority of your life to kind of you know, yeah, retirement, what is that like?
0: It's actually tough. Mm-hmm. Um, not talked about enough for athletes who, um, cause you gotta think about it. They, We've been waking up at six, seven, 8 a.m. every morning for 20 to 30 years. And it's been sports, like what time is practice, what time is weights class in between there lunch and I go back to practice or maybe get some extra work in. Uh-huh. Um, and then once you get to a professional level, it's no class and just sports. The time is the time is the first meeting. Okay. Practice at 11. Then the meeting after that lunch meeting after that meeting after that um, game on Sunday, game on Saturday, game on Friday, Thursday, whatever, whatever sports you're playing or whatever. Um, and then once it's done, what do you fill your day with?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, when you've been doing something for 30 years, 20 years, 10 years, nonstop, it becomes routine and it's tough for the athlete to find something else. Because a lot of times we never had the opportunity to do something else in college. You know, we never had a chance to get a job, maybe an intern, maybe if we could squeeze one in during the summer, but, um, a lot of times we don't know what interests us outside of sports and it's not talked about enough. Um, I got very blessed and lucky to have started modeling when I went to Australia. Um, so I started in 2012 modeling. I was investing in my life, you know, distance sports modeling, um, for two times a year for a good two years. Um, had like a or in spread. And then from there, it kind of, stuck with me for the I've been modeling for 10 years now. Um, so when I came back, even while even when I was playing football, I was still doing big and tall stuff with DXL. Now I've been that's probably my biggest my biggest client now. Um, so big and tall modeling because I put on NFL weight. I was around 260 playing tight end. And um, you know, big and tall modeling is a young but necessary industry, modeling clothing for the bigger guys all guys I play football with. They send me messages all the time. like, hey man, I got some mail from DXL. I saw you, look look at you. <laughs> was, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, big linemen are shopping at DXL. Right. Um, but I was lucky enough to find something that I like doing outside of sports. And I've always been that guy. Just to, I always wanted to be the, oh, you're the basketball player, but plays football, you know, plays piano, loves classical music, I like I liked to be, I liked to have had layers my entire life because um, I knew there was a stereotype with sports, that we weren't smart. Graduated second in my class in college, in high school, college graduated, um, Kuma laude. Oh
1: my
0: goodness. Uh, it was just, oh, my mom actually wanted me to, she always stressed uh, academics, so yeah, I always wanted to be the smart athlete, too, as well, and always and a good athlete. But um, so I was lucky enough to have that curiosity to try different things whenever I could, you know, be a little bit more creative um, with certain things. And then from modeling came photography. And photography is one of those things is like, I wish I was doing this for 20 years already. I wish. Um but I'm glad I found it now because it's something I could do for the rest of my life. But uh a lot of, you know, a lot of us don't get the opportunity to try new things. because um, we're always worried about getting cut, so we're always training. Or we're on the team but we're always training because we want to keep up, maintain, or we're not even on the team but we're still chasing a dream. Um which is an admirable dream cuz pro sports is, you know, something that a small percentage of people in the earth can experience. And I wish everyone could. But uh yeah. Like like I said, it's not talked about enough as far as like retirement. What what do you do now?
1: And is and, that uh
0: mm-hmm.
1: well I was just gonna say since obviously it sounds like you had um a lot of mentors or just a lot of people around you all the time. Is that something that anyone kind of maybe had a conversation that was like a quote unquote elder of like, Hey, this is my, this is what you might experience or just literally no one talks about it.
0: No, I never really had that conversation of like, this is what you might experience. I mean, I think you, you might see it or feel it coming down the road. Uh-huh. Cause like once this is done, you know, cause we, well, we all have the conversation of like, you can't play sports forever. So you're always planning for the future, but once it comes, you lost, we're, we're lost. Um, things getting better because more guys are starting to venture into their passion product, projects or hobbies. Um, you know, outside of sports, uh, we're starting to see more personality with athletes because of social media. They might have a different social media um, presence than they do on field or on court. So we're starting to see, you know, players' personalities these days and it's given them opportunity to go into the things they really like to do outside of sports, which is good, really good. I like that change now. Um, But for a time, it was you retire. What do you do now? You go coach because you still want to be a part of that routine because you haven't, a lot of times, we haven't really been exposed to anything else. But for me, when I retired, it was an easy decision because photography was already something I really loved to do. Modeling was something that I was already doing regularly. And being around creative people was, um, I felt home. I felt home in the studio as I felt in locker rooms. And I found myself before training, before uh, photo shoots, I planned photo shoots and prepare just like I did for for games. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just like writing down, going through the play, going, seeing the photo shoot in my head as I, you know, before I even do it. So mm-hmm. visualizing the game. So it's, it became, you know, my new home my new routine my new everyday so yeah
1: that's amazing now kind of as you can see i kind of jump around but not really i'm Mm -hmm. also fascinated with um not just professional athletes, but anyone that is, quote unquote, in the limelight. And maybe you can say, you know, obviously you're still considered in the limelight to what you're doing in New York. But how I've asked this before of others, how are you, and especially even being, quote unquote, popular, a star at a young age, how do you um, take inventory of people around you? Do you know what I mean? Whether they're, are, this, are these people having a positive influence on me? Or are they around me for the right reasons, et cetera?
0: Um. That is very, like the people you have around you is very important. Um, The reason I moved to New York, we talked about this this at the break. I used to hate New York.
1: (laughs) I don't know why that makes me laugh.
0: Southern boy, you know, I like to drive all around Charlotte, Winston, whatever. Um, You know, not too fast. Housing, affordable. So I'm a country boy at heart. But you know, like I said, growing up I hate New York. But ever since I picked up the camera, I see things through a different lens. So everything I used to hate about New York, it's still annoying. New Yorkers hate it. You know, they hate they hate the fact that it's too many people, sturdy, crowded, loud, you know, always something. But as a photographer who's in the business of people, creative people, creative outlets, uh, you know, your hairstyles, makeup artists wardrobe fashion um just people when i picked up the camera new york became a oh there's a different layer there's just look under that layer of everything you don't like you'll see why you might appreciate it and me moving to new york was because i got connected with Lindsay adler one of the best photographers living today i took her internship 32 years old I decided to take an internship, a photography internship with um, another photographer because I knew I needed to be, needed to learn what she had in a location that I think I want to be in. And there was some hesitation. I had some, you know, hesitation to move up to New York to do it. I did because I'd just gotten a good job in Charlotte, director of photography, looking over eight, eight photographers shooting high end, high brand stuff. But I was like, this opportunity doesn't come up to everybody. It doesn't. So I decided to forego that job and come to New York last June and just literally work um, for Lindsay. And I'd only planned doing two to three months, the internship length and be like, all right, cool. I'm going to go back and get my job again, you know, and take what I learned. So they got here the weekend. I was like, I can't leave. Can't leave. This is where I need to be. And it was one of those never be the smartest guy in the room. Seven billion, seven millionaires in a room who guess who's going to be the eighth. If you're there, surround yourself with the people that are building you up. It was like, I need to stay here around these people because this is what I want to do. Um, Not car carbon copy what you're doing but like this is the energy i need Mm -hmm. because this is where i see myself in five years of what i'm doing so moving to new york was a product of what you said having the people around you and you know being in that environment is key and and important Mm
1: -hmm. you have such an amazing story All, all sectors
0: and i'm forgetting a lot of it too there's times i actually forget um Sometimes I forget I played in the NFL. Sometimes I forget I was in Division One basketball. Sometimes I played. Sometimes I forget I'm a three times professional athlete. Sometimes I have. Sometimes I forgot I went to Australia, but it's just uh, because I'm in a different chapter. It's all photography now. I'm always thinking about the next photo shoot, fashion, whatever. And then uh, I think uh, I used to. Uh, sometimes you don't don't want to on your laurels you're always looking for okay what's next that was great that was fun um okay what's next what, what do i do now i'm in new york how do i make new york work for me how do i make it but uh yeah there's a lot to my story uh i need to start writing the book <laughs> I've just been dragging my feet on it, but yeah.
1: It'll happen. And again, like I always say, um, I mean, I write a lot, you know. It's Mm -hmm. interesting when someone's like, hey, write about your life when it's like, as you're writing, like, it's not over. You know? It's hard. It's interesting.
0: Yeah. There's a lot of stuff I forget. I'm like, oh, yeah, that did happen. I forgot. Yeah.
1: We're kind of here in the ninth inning, and so I always like to end on, like, a fun out-of-the-box question. Mm -hmm. So have you ever experienced a ghost or something unexplained that you can share that obviously you never forgot?
0: I like looking at paranormal caught on on camera, like videos or YouTube, whatever. Um, I don't think I've ever experienced. I've definitely creeped myself out sometimes just thinking that (laughs) something might be there after watching a marathon of Uh creepy videos. Uh, I did come back January to the studio in New Jersey, and um they had just gotten electrical done for lighting and stuff. We did a lot of renovations, and I'd just gotten through a marathon of paranormal caught on, on film, and I'd already been losing sleep because I'm like, You're "What is that? What is that shadow over <laughs> <right> there?" Hold <laughs> up. All right, all right, okay, cool. I'm gonna go to sleep. Um, I get back, the lights are flickering and unbeknownst to me they have uh we had ordered a number of uh mannequin heads for photography and they're just randomly placed throughout the studio i'm like this is weird and i was i was stand up student at the time um and it was just like okay i think there's i think there's ghosts here now i think so but but you know directly? Nah, no. not really. I like watching the I like watching those videos of like caught on tape though. It's interesting. I do believe that there's, you know, ghosts. Yeah. yeah, I do believe it. Yeah.
1: Very cool. Well, like I said, maybe your story's not over. Maybe one day you'll encounter something like. Would do you feel like you would freeze up, freak out?
0: I don't think I'd freeze up. or freak out, but I'd probably be like. It's finally is happening. this really? Is this really happening? <laughs> Come on, dude. Come on, yeah. But well, Lindsay, she did have a story. She was out. She shot at an old mansion years ago, mm-hmm. and end of the day, wrapping up, cleaning up, gearing to the car, and then making the rounds, making through, uh, making sure everything's packed up and you know taken away. And uh, upstairs, down the hall, she hears some old twenties type music playing. And oh. she follows it. She goes to the door. The door's locked. she's like, "There, no one should be in here. But it's just a music playing. She's like, I'm going to leave. I'm out of Yeah. Here. Yeah. She told me that story a couple of days ago. So, yeah.
1: I love all that kind of stuff. Well, I always ask, too, do you want to give the audience a shout out to where they can find you on social media?
0: I am on Instagram mostly at wallace that's polymathic Wallace polymath being an individual specializing in many different areas. As you can see behind me, this whole, that's been Verrocchio. Verrocchio is, was uh, Leonardo da Vinci's mentor. Okay. And he's the person I chose to name my business after or my studio after. So, um, cause I'm fascinated with da Vinci went with Verrocchio because da Vinci was just too on the, too on the nose. Everyone uses da Vinci's name, but uh, yeah, uh, Instagram polymathic Wallace and YouTube coming soon. Been Stay dragging tuned. my feet on that too, so.
1: Stay tuned. Um, well, like I said, I told you in between, Eric's been bearing with me. I've had some weird technical difficulties. I was been
0: technical difficulties all day.
1: <laughs> I, I literally checked. I was like, wait, is it Friday the 13th? But I guess that's next week or something. But um. But anyways, I'm from Charlotte. I was born and raised here, so I'm definitely a Carolina Panthers fan. So that makes it that much more amazing that I talked to you today. Yep. What up? Yeah, I got your the Panther right on your right on your chest. Love it. So what an honor.
0: I actually stole this from um <laughs> who did I stole this from? <laughs> I, forgot who I stole it from. One of the lineman. I stole it from them.
1: That was too funny.
0: They they didn't they didn't need it.
1: Well, did you have fun? I know you kind of walked in here not knowing what was that, but I appreciate it.
0: No, this is good. I love just chatting about, you know, life and everything. And like I said, I forget a lot of stuff. I forget. I'm like, oh, yeah, that was crazy.
1: And now do you think that yeah. that's just, quote, unquote, I mean, you're pretty much like the same age as me. Do you feel like that's just comes with age or just kind of like you had said earlier where you're just so zero-focused into your life now?
0: Yeah, I think it's just... I like the fact that I've, you know, our old heads say, man, I've forgotten more stuff than you know. Um, I think I'm getting to the point where I'm doing so much. Um, And I do appreciate the um, messages I do get sometimes, like from people that knew me from Ohio State or DePaul or Seattle, you, Australia. They say, man, been following your story. It's crazy to think you're doing something else now. And uh, just inspired that, you know, you're still, you know, finding new things to do after sports or whatever. Absolutely. And, and, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's inspiring and motivating to, you know, just be doing me to inspire someone else. Very cool.
1: Well, final, final last question. Do you think like, do you have any desire to come back down to Charlotte or the South or is New York kind of it for you right now?
0: I don't know. New York. I, I say I'm gonna do New York at least three, four years. Um, I don't think I'll buy up here because it's hard to beat Charlotte or North Carolina with getting a house, raising a family. But uh, we'll see. We'll see uh, where photography up here takes me.